Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious French corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, still on pilgrimage here in Lourdes, France. And uh, Robert, we're doing great. We're, we've got all these great uh, shows. We're meeting all these interesting people. And some people we even bring back for another show. Exactly. And because we have an interesting topic to talk about today, Deacon Jeff. Absolutely. You know, uh, we, we uh, on a previous show, a couple of shows ago, uh, we had uh, Dane Monroe, who's uh, a Knight of Malta from the Republic of Malta. So he's actually from Malta. And a professor of history. That's right. And so he's, a, he's got all this stuff. And, you know, one of the great um, uh, things in the history of Malta is this idea of the siege of Malta. And I know most people listening are thinking, well, so this is another battle, some obscure battle somewhere that doesn't really have any effect on me today. And to hear this history, because we, we talked... Dane, with you about welcome, by the way. Uh, welcome yeah. back. Well, thank you for having right? me. Right, pour him another uh, cafe latte or whatever, a cappuccino, and let's let's get him uh, pumped up to do another show with us. You know, we talked to you previously about this idea of the development of of, of chivalry, of of knights, knighthood, um, and really the the, the import uh, of sort of defense and maybe even reclaiming uh, some sacred and and, and uh, spiritual treasures. Um, of the kingdom here on earth, right, and, and, and what the Crusades, where they played that part. And really that leads up to another big quintessential moment in history, doesn't it, Robert? Well, I think, Deacon, most people don't realize how important the, the Battle of 1565 was probably one of the most significant battles in the history of the world. And, and here's why to set, set the stage. You had uh, the Ottomans, Turkish, the Turks, right. Suleiman the Magnificent. Uh, had decided at the time, in 1565, all of Europe was sort of in, in a roil. There was infighting. The Protestant Reformation had begun. He was amassing a tremendous power and decided, really, that it was a time that he could start uh, taking over um, um, the world, and in particular the Mediterranean right. Sea. So he had uh, – how many – he took his best troops. What do you think, about 30,000 or – About 30,000. Men, the Janitsaris and the Spahis uh, in particular. Right. Now, the Janitsaris, these are like his special forces. And the key to this attack, which was going to go into Europe eventually to control it, was to take Malta. And Malta had... Why would, Dane, why would Malta be such, such a, a prime target? Why would you go to Malta? Yeah, why indeed go to Malta? Malta is just an insignificant It seems like a rock. small little, yeah. But it is in the middle of the Mediterranean, and where the Mediterranean is at its narrowest, where east and west basin meet each other. So with a few galleys, you can um, block the whole passage ah. between Malta and Sicily. Control and trade. Malta yeah. and Tunis. You can control trade. Um, anybody who passes by... You can see if it's to your liking. And so it's, it's a, a very strategic location. Oh, yes. For staging absolutely. an attack on Europe, you would need Malta in, at that time period because it was right at that point in the Mediterranean Sea. And at that time, the island of Malta, you had what? How many? 500 knights of Malta, maybe? Uh, maximum 500 knights. And, and the Maltese? How well, there were about, um, well, there were in those days about 20,000 Maltese, but everybody who could not fight was shipped off for safety to Sicily. So we were left with 900 Maltese farmers and their wives and children who were trained with the fork, with the 
for yeah, pitch, pitchfork. Pitchfork, pitchfork yeah. but not as, as a military wow. force, and there were about 9,000 mercenaries. 9,000 or 900? 9,000. 9,000. So in total, there were about 18,000 people. Okay. Maximum. Um, 30, but, but they were coming up against 30,000 uh, who were highly, highly trained. Special uh, forces. Special forces. The Christian forces, actually, because the Yanitsais were uh, recruited among the Christian families in Turkey who sold their sons to the, well, forced cells, I would say. But they weren't Christian at the time. They were forced converted. Right. They came out of yeah. Christianity. Yes. And they, and they were, were converted and became uh, the most uh, incredible soldiers of the, t- of the time. Right. Now There's a lot of political power, too. So you've got a setting the stage. So Suleiman, if he can take Malta, then it's just from Malta right into Italy at a time when all of the Christian world is in, is in infighting. So what, what they, 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 they settled their forces, and they're coming into Malta with, what is it, 200 ships or something well, like that? Well, about something like two, two, 200 ships, galleys, uh, provision ships, and things like this. Because they, uh, the thing is that uh, the whole great siege went upside down because the Ottoman... Uh, Empire thought they could uh, run over Malta in a week and use it as a stepping stone. But after three and a half months, they realized it was a stumbling block. So, okay, so they, they, how many troops were there total that Suleiman had that he, would, he, that he could have sent if he had wanted to? Well, he, uh, the total army of the Ottomans in those days was over a million people. But he only sent 30,000 because he thinks, well, you know, and he sent 30,000 good guys. It wasn't right. like the, 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 the rotten, the, you know, right. the, the bu- bucket carriers and stuff. He had 30,000 specialized troops. But he thought he'd just kind of blow through Malta, take over that, and everything would be fine, right? Because you only got 500 knights. Which, you know, formidable, but just 500. And then, of course, mercenaries and, and, and pitchforks. <laughs> and, of course, the knights were not trained soldiers. They were also elderly knights, uh, managers, uh, oh, okay. estates, owners, etc. Right. So maybe 250 were really able-bodied. Goodness gracious. And I think, you know, it, it's important for us to remember that at this time, they knew that Suleiman was coming because they had spies. And the Grand Master of the Order at the time sent out asking for help, and people wouldn't come because they thought it was hopeless. They thought that uh, there was no way that Malta could stand uh, the siege from this great world power. There was that, but there was also the uh, practical point of view that France and Venice were the greatest trading partners of the Ottoman Empire, so uh, you're not going to fight against your biggest clients. Yeah. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Well, that came into play. Absolutely. So... You know, Robert, at the beginning of the show, you talked about how important this this battle really was. And, I, and, and Dane, I think so many people don't realize the importance, but sort of set the stage of why was this an important battle for Christianity, really for the whole world? Well, let's um, put it in a few concepts. So the Ottoman Empire has aspirations for world dominion. Okay. So they're going to the West. Uh, the Spanish have uh, likewise... Uh, aspirations, and they're going to the east. And there's this little island of Malta in between. Yeah. Um, a good point. Um, it was part of the Spanish Empire. And the Ottomans had um, sent away the Order of Malta, the Order of Rhodes in those days, from Rhodes, 1522. Right. And they were about seven years itinerant. They had no place to stay because nobody wanted a formidable army within their own uh, region, within their own pocket of power. Uh, you just don't do that. You don't, yeah, you don't divide an enormous right. army on your uh, estate. And you then don't let the wolves come into the hen house. <laughs> uh, no. uh, that's in, indeed, that's uh, very much true. Then there was this offer of uh, Charles V for Malta. Now, the French, uh, who are a uh, majority 
of the order, or one of the majorities, um, they didn't really like this idea because weren't France and Spain in perpetual war, so why would the French fight for Spain? Yeah. That's the question. In the end, they had to, um, well, they were converted, so to speak, so they accepted uh, this the is Order the Knights of, of St. John. You know, Deacon, right. it's the same. The Knights of Malta, before they went to Malta, were from on roads. Right. We've and, talked a lot yeah, about Malta on this program, and then and people will hear the Order of Malta, right. but then we'll hear the Knights of St. John of Jerusalem right. and, and all the roads and Malta and all the... we hear these things, and so this is where this all comes to... And, and by the way, that. Deacon Jeff, do you know that that's where uh, we they had to pay for the... Um, when they took Malta, Charles V was emperor that gave them... They had to pay, was it a Maltese falcon, one falcon per year? Which is where the Maltese Falcon, you ever heard of that? That was what was paid to the emperor, basically. Now, did Humphrey Bogart actually make that I don't payment? Know. I remember he was in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with Malta. No. I, I know. I totally understand that. But, it's interesting. but, but that, they came in, what, 15, when did, uh, 1530. 1530. Yeah. So um, you just mentioned the Knights of Jerusalem, of course. Every time they were settling somewhere, so Knights of Jerusalem, Cyprus, Rhodes, Malta. Right. It, it's corresponds with the place they were. They were. Yeah. So the name changes with the territory they have. All right, interesting. So in the Knights of Malta, become the Knights of Malta, 1530. So they settle on this island, and they uh, start fortifying it, because there's one little fortification, the, Mar- the, the Castro Maris, which is an old medieval fort. And every time there was this threat of the Ottomans. Right, they knew that they were coming. The Ottomans were coming, because the Ottomans were after the Order of St. John. Yeah. Because uh, after the siege of Rhodes was over, Suleiman the Magnificent, as a young man, had gained uh, or had was grown to not to love his enemies but to respect his enemies. Okay, and uh, they were left uh, allowed to go with the, the library and everything they had, on the condition that they would uh, behave. Of course, uh, the Order of Saint John did not behave for very good reasons. They were policing the Mediterranean to protect. Christian pilgrims and Christian shipping against the pirates of the North African coast and against the Ottomans. Interesting. Um, let's not forget that um, African coast, uh, from 1500 to about 1830, there were always more than 1.25 million Christian slaves in North Africa. Exactly. And so the, 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 they kept on taking Christian slaves, which caused a source of, of fighting because the knights wanted to go and free those slaves, or they would capture... Uh, Muslim shippers and trade them in exchange for the Christian. Well, that's another interesting concept, this idea of slavery. A lot of people don't realize that there were Christian slaves. Millions, right? There were uh, over, over four or five hundred years. There were always 1.25 million. So that's many millions over accumulated wow. period. Incredible. And these were uh, Christian pilgrims, but also from um, northern Germany, from Scandinavia, the British, um, even the, uh, the Algerians, um, the Moors, they were the most ferocious pirates. They came to France, Kent, so the southern part of England, England, Ireland, the part of the Netherlands, to take people away in slavery. And that up to 1830, uh, that was the case. Hmm. So the Order of St. John had a very good reason to police the Mediterranean in order to keep things safe for the Christian world. But right. by policing them, they were attacking uh, Suleiman's ships. Yeah, he probably didn't like that. No, he didn't. Not yeah. in the least. As magnificent as he was, he didn't. He did not. <laughs> because he the Order of like Saint John, of course, um, engaged in what is called the preemptive strikes. Ah, before they can hit you, you hit them. Interesting. Well, again, but but that's that's sort of a pre-response. Of course, it's a, <laughs> a response because they've learned of the past. If you let it go too far, you get nowhere. So you have to exactly. be proactive. Well, and we're going to be proactive 
in a minute. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to uh, take a break real quick. I want to remind folks at home we have a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, love for you to send me an email. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. On October 7, 1571, the great naval battle of Lepanto was fought between the Ottoman Turks and an alliance of Catholic kingdoms assembled by Pope Pius V. This titanic sea battle, fought for the freedom of Christianity in Europe and the preservation of Western civilization, was entrusted to the patronage of our Blessed Mother through the intercession of Our Lady of Victory. The Ottoman Turks had been trying to dominate the Mediterranean Sea with their navy for many years. They slowly captured small Christian outposts and sold much of the population into slavery. The Ottoman armies were brutal and merciless. They sought to exterminate Christianity from all of Europe. After the Turks began the conquest of Cyprus, a small island in the Mediterranean Sea, all Christian Europe became alarmed. Pope Pius V recognized the threat from the Turkish forces and convinced the political rulers of the day to form an alliance that might defend the Christian people of Europe from the threat of the Ottoman Turks. Pius assembled the brave knights of Malta, the Kingdom of Spain, the Venetians, and several other Italian kingdoms into a naval force that was finally able to challenge Turkish naval dominance. The last knight of Christendom, Don Juan of Austria led the Christian forces. On the day of the great battle of Lepanto, the Pope implored all of Christian Europe to seek the intercession of Our Lady of Victory through praying the rosary. As the Christian ships met the Ottoman host on the turbulent seas, Pius V led a rosary procession through St. Peter's Square in Rome. The entire endeavor was given over to the care of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Pope was given a vision, which assured him that the Christian forces had prevailed. There was a great foreboding that the Christian forces were going to fail against the superior Turkish fleet, but through the Pope's faith and the intercession of Our Lady of Victory, the Christian fleet miraculously carried the day and drove the enemy ships out of Christian waters. The Turkish losses were so great that they were never able to recoup their strength as a mighty naval power. Pius V commemorated the Christian victory at Lepanto through the Blessed Mother's intercession by establishing the Feast of Our Lady of Victory. Pope Paul VI changed the name of the feast to Our Lady of the Rosary. This feast day is celebrated on October the 7th. I'm Bestrozimski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe talking here, Robert, with Dane Monroe. And he's telling us all this great stuff in history. And, and you know, as we sort of, that, 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 that first segment, we just were just focused on all this uh, this fighting and we're seeing all this stuff going on. And it's interesting how uh, it reminds me uh, scripturally, you know, in, when our Lord was actually uh, instructing the apostles and his disciples, you know, who were, who were getting, going to be sent out 
to, to, to share the gospel that he told, he and, and, and told them to, to buy swords. Yeah. Right, and a lot of people will look at that and think, "Well, what's, what what does that mean well, exactly?" Yeah, and a lot of times people think that Jesus. I mean, obviously, our religion teaches peace, and that peace is a good thing. But there are also references like Christ having the whip and, and driving the uh, the money changers out of the temple. So, and the concept of defense, the, the, the concept the, 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 of not laying down. Sometimes we lay our life down willingly, right. uh, as Christ did uh, to, to end up on the cross. Right, He willingly uh, did that. But at the same time, um, you know. In this world now, we'll have people that need to be defended who cannot defend themselves. And that's, I think, actually where the whole idea of the Christian knighthood came from is how to be a Christian soldier. What does that mean? And yeah, onward kind of, Christian soldiers. Exactly. But there is an element of, no, that there is right and wrong and to that there is, it can be legitimate to resist an unjust aggressor. If someone's attacking your children and you're a father, you have a moral obligation to to you know we don't we don't needlessly kill or hurt we don't want to do that Absolutely. but we do have to protect the innocent uh, and sometimes that means using force if there's no other uh, no other way right and of course we'd want to make sure everyone understood that the ideas of revenge of hatred absolutely animosity those are never never uh, valid ways of expressing uh, you know it, we, we'd never do no, that but if you have an evil say an Adolf Hitler or someone that's coming in and that is basically taking over land and attacking we're, people we're, we're that, dads Robert I mean yeah. I, I just think of my own house and I think of my nine kids there and think well, I want to make sure they live safely. Right. So right? Pe- people, there is a role. And I think that's, you know, people confuse that, that. I mean, there is a role for legitimate defense. And that's what the Knights, and we, if we go back into history. Now, you know, I think also we have to judge each history according to its own time. We can't judge 1500s by today's uh, standards because, mm-hmm. as we know, I mean, the, the battle in 1565 got kind of bloody. I mean, I don't, didn't the, the uh, Turkish troops... Um, uh, when they captured some of the knights, they nailed them to boards and put them in the sea. Is that uh, well? This uh, uh, you're referring to the uh, the famous first battle of uh, Saint Elmo, and of course we have to put from the beginning straight that the Ottomans didn't do the homework very well. Mm-hmm. They were so full of confidence that they actually forgot the fine points, and there were uh, a captain of the uh, of the fleet and a general of the army, but their tactician uh, Dragut came later. And he would have disadvised about St. Elmo. Right. And so this fort um, was taken. It was about a month or so that it took them to take this fort, uh, the Ottomans. And why would they take that fort Because first? it was the, the tip of the peninsula. Of right. And they thought we'll guarded start the harbor. the tip. We'll it start right there at the, the tip and we'll move Well, it in. guarded the harbor. And we lost, what, about 800 soldiers? And they lost, what, 8,000? 8, 8,000. And, uh, and well, probably, that's a uh, big bite out of their <laughs> army. Yes, of course, 30, in the, and now they're well, down that, to 22, right? Yeah, a lot. And, of course, uh, 100 knights died. And the heroism, uh, because it's also a culture of memory, so the, it was a lost case, uh, St. Elmo. and uh, The people knew they were going to die. All the knights that defended it knew that they but were that going to fall. But they, but, but they stayed. But they and stayed. The, the last three knights, they were heavily wounded. They sat in chairs on the ramparts, sword in hand, just waiting for the Ottomans to come. Because they had to be carried to their post. They went to mass, then they hid or destroyed uh, reverently all of the sacred vessels because they didn't want them to be desecrated, mm. and went and fought to where it was either Barbarossa. One of them said, "If the if if when Saint Elmo's fell, if it, if this is what it cost to get the child, what is the mother going to cost?" Exactly. Because they lost eight thousand troops just taking the outpost in fifteen sixty five. Then it became uh, nasty because the uh, the Ottomans they. 
uh, they killed those three knights. They nailed them on crosses and posthumously beheaded them. And then they pushed the crosses into the water towards the other side of the Grand Harbor, where the Grand Master de Valette was uh, watching helplessly, rather. And it enraged uh, the Grand Master. And he said, OK, I go Old Testament, eye for an eye. <laughs> so we had the uh, old Smiting. <laughs> We're going to start smiting yeah. now. And, of course, he, uh, had the, um, he ordered the uh, executioner, uh, dear sir, could you do, please do a job for me? And uh, we had all the Turkish prisoners. Oh put their heads in cannons and shoot them back in their own camp. Yeah. Now that, again... That is uh, not, uh, that's why he's not St. John Valette, by the way. Right. I mean, it shows you at the time how war was very... Um, yes, yes, he was just simply insulted. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, because you don't do these kind of things. You, don't, you can't fight each other, but you leave um, each other's religion alone because that's not part of the fight. The fight is over land and power, not about religion. Yeah, but I'm going to start using that phrase going Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> it, might, it might get my kids to do a little better, you know, in school and, and whatnot. You don't want Dad to go Old Testament on you. Uh, very good. That's a very, see, we always learn something in the Catholic That's cafe, right. right? It's always very helpful. Right, let's go. So let's keep m- moving in the battle here. So they, they mistakenly. Uh, basically expend 8,000 of their best soldiers. Attacking an outpost. And, of course, uh, the fortunate Elmer was uh, captured on the eve of the Feast of St. John, Mm. symbolically, very symbolically, the 23rd of June, by which coincidence a uh, friendly fire, a shard of rock blew off, and it hit Drago, the the tactician, the, the formidable... Uh, thinking man behind it. Uh, the one that really knew what he was doing in the right. Turkish The guy who wasn't really in charge, and it hit him in his head, and he died uh, during so that, the period. So right. it was all providential. And the other commander was like a nephew of the Suleiman, who really didn't, wasn't very, uh, it was a relative. Militarily astute, obviously, was not there. Well, you have people who are competent, but maybe not 100% trustworthy, and you have people who are 100% trustworthy, but totally incompetent. So and where did things go from one. there at that point? Well, that point it went actually downwards for the Ottomans because the uh, uh, many things happened. And I have to bring in also the Maltese. Of course, the Nice fault, the mercenaries fault, but nobody ever talks about the Maltese. The Maltese rode boats. Uh, the Maltese were the only few people who could swim. And uh, they had a, the Knights had built a palisade of wooden stakes... Right. along the coast to prevent galleys from landing. And the Ottomans, they sent uh, people with access to bring down those palisades. And four Maltese, and we know their name, um, in their Adam's costume, knives and axes in their, in their mouth, they run towards the palisade, jumped in the water, and the battle ensued in the water. And the Interesting. Maltese, and those four Maltese just... Because they could swim. They yeah, could swim. Uh, the uh, other ones just could paddle a bit. So a sea battle with no boat there. Yeah. And, uh, of course, they, they saved that. Um, the women, uh, they did cooking, nursing, burying the dead, dragging the dead from the walls. The children and the women rebuilt the walls. Uh, the young boys had a field day with their slings and slingshot. They tried to hit the Ottomans. Right. Because, see, they had been uh, prisoners before. but They didn't want the uh, Islamic... The the Turkish forces at the time to, sure. to, to come back in. And so they actually, they, they, they fought very well. Uh, they, they fought to survive. And that were, I think that is the, uh, the whole crucial thing. The Ottomans really fought to die for the reward. The Christians fought to survive. And that is where you anticipate just a bit more. It gives you a bit more right. power. It's the power of hope, namely, right. in the Christian way. So 
to make a long story short, um, the Ottomans didn't do the homework. They brought not enough water, not enough food, but plenty of cannonballs yeah. and plenty of uh, barrels with uh, gunpowder. But, but they made a few mistakes. First of all, many of the Ottomans died of dysentery. Oh. So how does this work? Dysentery becomes... Uh, dysentery, dysentery is how dysentery. Say it, The yeah. Americans... Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, they have a different pronunciation. But yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Um, you die of super diarrhea in three days. Oh, yeah. And how, how is this? Because you are not hygienic. Robert, that would be the first time that the word diarrhea has been used <laughs> yeah. on, <laughs> on the Catholic Cafe. It's but, a but, perfect but Latin word. Yes, right. exactly. Because they could, yes, they weren't prepared for the siege. Dysentery is extremely tragic. <laughs> not, but, it's not a good thing, especially for an army yeah. because, in a foreign uh, land. Normally, the, the Turks would have uh, not the hygiene of the Order of St. John. The Order of St. John is very hygienic. What's interesting is finally the Spanish did send reinforcements, and there were a lot of great tactics. I mean, the Janus had these big capes. Right. And so there were great stories about the Maltese coming with these firebombs, and they'd have hooks, and they'd get on the capes, and they would really uh, – they were very good. Just like the American revolutionaries would fight the, the army's new sort of informal tactics right. or tactics to come in that were not traditional fighting tactics. Very inventive. And when the reinforcements came in, um, they were – the Ottoman army was just in total chaos, and then they left. And I believe the final day that they left is – September the, the 7th. But I thought it's September 11th. Isn't there a time uh, September There's a s- September the 7th when they leave. September the 8th is the Freedom Day. Okay. Right. By September the 11th, they were on the way to um, to Suleiman the Great. And they when told Suleiman the Great, sorry, uh, my dear uh, right. Emperor, um, Malta does not, does not right. exist. It was so small, we probably passed it. Right. Uh, next year we try again. <laughs> but so he found out on September the 11th of uh, 1565, which I think is an interesting historical date. So a person listening to this and hear, hearing all of this history and seeing this, they don't realize that we, we like all of Europe would be not. It would be, uh, yeah. Would have been the lost. Christian Europe would have, uh, would have fallen at the time. And Suleiman easily could have come in through. Italy with his troops and come all the way around through Europe. And so after 1565, there was one other battle in 1572. That's the famous Lepanto. We've talked about that here in the show. Um, and then that was really the end of the Ottoman aggression, um, except for piracy. Well, piracy uh, continued, the, yeah. obviously. But, but the Malta, of course, was the, uh, the shield of Europe, and it gained enormous uh, prestige by surviving uh, an Ottoman siege. Well, I got to tell you, Dane, uh, we so appreciate the time that you've come and tell, to tell us all this stuff. This is the little these these nuggets of history are important for us to recognize now. And yeah. so we thank you for taking the time to be here with us here at the Catholic Cafe. And so uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your pilgrimage here in Lourdes. Absolutely. And of course, uh, Lourdes is our spiritual headquarters. Amen. Amen. Well, and since we're here, let's close the program again, asking Our Lady for her intercession. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe 
there's always room for one more at our table. 